the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Please be seated. You and I have been looking at <clears throat> the idea of that scarlet thread that runs from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. And tonight as we ponder through the pages of the book of Leviticus, we find ourselves stopping at Leviticus 10. As you look at the page I gave you a couple of weeks ago, um, about halfway down on the page, right before a list of four or five things, there's a bullet point there that says something to the effect of Leviticus teaches us how to be holy. Holy. Out of the 66 books that make up the Bible, it is, in the Old Testament, is the least favorite of anyone to read. There's always a bunch of don't eat this and don't eat that and make sure you have this here and that there. There's a reason why God is giving so much detail in this book. He's giving this book to a group of people known as the Levites who will lead the nation of Israel, uh, spiritually speaking, and so they need to understand those things. But the principle of being holy before God is seen throughout the entirety of the Bible, not just in the book of Leviticus. As a matter of fact, when you and I look at that, sometimes we forget about the idea of holiness as it's found throughout the Bible. And it has been known where the world sometimes affects the church instead of the church affecting the world. Sometimes it is the fact that things that are said by the world sound pretty good, and so we tend to pick those things up and say that that's a, that's a good thing that we should be doing. There's a phrase I want you to look up this week in your Bible. And that phrase is, you ready? Write this down. Sinner saved by grace. Go ahead and find it. Would you like me to help you out? You don't have to do any homework. It's never there. Because in the idea of holiness, God speaks of two types of people. He speaks of those who have been faithfully obedient and saved and those who are lost. The group that he never speaks of is those who are sinners who are saved. And as we use that and think about that in our world today, we think about what we were and how we were saved. Yes, hopefully we in the church think of who we once were and how we are saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus Christ by obedience to his plan. 
The problem is those who hear us. While we may mean it one way, those who hear us would hear us in another way to say that God simply saves us through grace. And there's a problem there because he does not. God does not only, or does not save by grace only. God does not save by faith only. And God does not save by works only. The two groups of people that are mentioned as sinners and saved within the Old and New Testament, those who are saved follow God's plan. Those who are saved are obedient. Those who are saved live righteous lifestyles. Those who are saved have done what God said to do. And those who find themselves in the category God would call sinners follow themselves or their selfish ideas. They follow their own desires. They live however they, they want to live. Now, the fact of the matter is this. They don't have to stay there, but that's where they are currently in that condition. And so while a man is not saved by grace alone, he can be saved by grace. And then in Leviticus chapter 10, there are those who don't want to be saved by any means. Leviticus chapter 10, we run into a group of Two boys who seemingly in the nation of Israel are, are royalty, at least in their minds they are. And here's what we find out. Look at verse uh, chapter 10. We, we read the first two verses. Let's go with verse 3. The Moses said to Aaron, this is the thing the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me and before all the people will I be glorified. Now notice what the father of two uh, deceased sons does. He held his peace. Keep your mind and your eye on that phrase. And perhaps if you underline or write in your Bible, that's one to underline because we're going to come back to that. Moses called Mishael and Elphan and the sons of Zuel and the uncle of Aaron and said unto them, Come near. Carry your brethren from before the sanctuary out of the camp. So that's what they did. And he said to them, don't uncover your heads. Don't tear your clothes. Lest. Now look at this phrase. Lest ye die. As this particular event unfolds many times... We look at the first two verses, and we say, Eliphaz and, uh, that ain't Eliphaz, that's, uh, who is that? Nadab and Bahu offered strange fire before the Lord, and because they didn't get it in the authorized place, then they were burned up. Oh, that is the fact. But look as Paul Harvey would say at the rest of the story. God said, don't you go out there and mourn for them. Now listen to what he says, don't you go out there. And grieve over them. Don't uncover your head. Don't tear your clothes. Don't, don't show a sign of mourning. Hmm. Why? Didn't, didn't they love their family too? Is God saying that you and I should not love our families? No. Why tell them then not to, to do those things? Why have them refrained from those things? What, what's the story there? Well, 
We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's see what's on our slide here. Notice these boys. They had the right thing. They had the right censer. In verse 1, they had the right incense. They had the right apparel. They were the right priests. They were the sons of Aaron. Aaron, they were the high priests. Every high priest that Israel has ever had has come from the lineage and the family of Aaron. Looking on the outside toward everything they have, everything should have been like it, like it should have, right? The, the, the scene there should be just a regular day of offering incense to the Lord. But there's something completely different in verses 1 and 2. And what they had were, was the wrong fire. Now, that doesn't mean much to you or me. We, we don't offer those type sacrifices anymore. We're not required to do those things by the New Testament. So sometimes we look at this and we say, it's very drastic. Now, let's go back for a moment to the family where God said, don't mourn for them. Seems to be very drastic, doesn't it? Why not? You know, there was darkness on the space, on the, on the face of the earth for space about three hours. When God's son was dying. I would think because of the compassion and the nature that God has toward us and toward his son, that seeing Jesus on that cross was not satisfying for him. It was not one of those things that he just couldn't wait happened until human history. The part of him that it grieved. So why not these guys? Why can't these guys grieve their family? Well, you have a an example being set. And here's the example that God's going to set. I will not tolerate anything outside of those things which I command. I do not tolerate those things. For example, it's just fire, right? Sure, it's just fire. See, when we adopt the attitude, it's just fire, then we also can adopt the attitude, music is music, right? And then, it's just trays, anybody could pass that, right? It's just singing, anybody can lead that, we can hear their voices anyway, right? If they could lead singing, why can't, why can't she lead a prayer? And she could do a much better job of me at preaching, so why not there? It all stems from the phrase, it's just fire. Doesn't seem like much. And as the years go, it begins to build up a head of steam. And we find ourselves in the year 2021 wondering why we look around and there are 3,000 different 
organizations that call themselves a Christian church. When Jesus said, I'm going to build one. Look at verses 9 through 11. God gives us a glimpse, and I don't think it's a, a glimpse where we have to stretch too far. But he gives us a glimpse of possibly what's going on within these boys. Verse number 9. Do not be drunk, or do not drink wine or strong drink, thou or thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever through your generations, that ye may put the difference between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean. That ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord hath spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. Were Nadab and Abihu drinking beforehand? When they went to put on those censers and get all of those things prepared and uh, go out and, and grab that fire, were they then intoxicated? I don't know. But that would at least make sense in my mind of why they changed what kind of fire God expected. So this wasn't just a fire, God, uh, just a fire, not, that's three words, just a fire and not just a fire. It's not just any fire that God would say, just grab something that burns. God says, I want a specific type of fire from a specific place. It's interesting when God says that about things that he excludes every other, in this case, fire. You know, one of those principles that we teach all too often throughout the Bible, we're going to go over again next week in our vacation Bible school. What was that ark made out of? You can say it, it's all right, everybody knows. Go for wood. You know what that excludes? Pine. Oak, elm, birch, and several other woods that I don't know. As a matter of fact, it excludes every other single wood. Every other wood then would be unholy. But it's just fire, right? Every other fire is unholy. And when... An unholy element is brought into the midst of God's people. God's people have now been contaminated and are unholy. And we fight that every day. You don't think so? A few years ago, I had a lady come and ask, would I be willing to teach a sermon series? And I say, sure. No, it wasn't. It was a Bible class series. I said, sure. What, what a, I said, and unfortunately, I said, sure, before I found out what the Bible class series was about. And she said, well, on the Andy Griffith show. Now, I like Andy and Barney and all those guys. Matter of fact, a lot of them are from the great state of Alabama, in case you didn't know that. But from that particular TV show, what am I going to teach? Drunkenness is okay? Lying to your friends is okay? Deceiving others is okay? 
What am I going to teach? Don't they do that about every episode? But we forget about it because it's just Otis, right? Once that contamination gets in, it affects every other part of God's family. He would write it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Know ye not, verse 11, that a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump? How many of you ladies bake yeast bread? How many of you guys know what yeast bread is? You ever, you ladies ever baked a, a loaf of yeast bread and the right half of it rises right and the left half of it just sinks down like a cracker? No, because that yeast goes all the way through it. It leavens, it, it contaminates, it, it does its job throughout the whole portion of dough. We're being introduced to the principle of being holy through a group of guys who lived lives that were unholy, who did things that were unholy. Is there any kind of difference in holy or, or unholy today? We looked at worship for a good long time. Any difference between a holy marriage and an unholy marriage? Everybody knows you had to be married inside a church building, right? That's what makes it holy, right? Make sure everybody's wearing a coat and tie, right? No. Why, well, you can get married anywhere you want to. As long as it fits in line with our governmental laws. God says, I don't have any regulations on that, with one exception. Oh, no. What's that exception? Well, that you have the right. Well, how does a person get a right? Do they have to, they have to submit some paperwork to God to see if they have a right to be married? He said, no, e easily. If you never married before, you have a right. That knocks about half of us out. For the other half, if you have been married before and uh, your spouse has passed away, you have a right. Good deal. That knocks another quarter of us. And then for that last quarter, if, uh, if you have a spouse and that spouse was found to be one who was running around on you, was having extramarital affairs, and you were not, you have a right. And that's it. There, there is no yeah, but what if. Those are, the, those are the regulations. Those are the only three regulations, and there are no yeah, but what ifs. If it falls into those categories, then that's good. If it does not, can't happen. It does. Holiness affects our worship. It affects our marriage. It affects our life. I'm not going to point at you and tell you which one of my two, but one of the two as they bow their head and say, please don't point. When they were younger, if you were buying things at Walmart that you should not buy, at least in her opinion, and in God's opinion also, she would very loudly let it be known that you should not be buying that. And then she stopped. Either she was made self-conscious about it or she looked around and found out no one else was doing that. But the fact of the matter is what she was heralding was true and she shouldn't have stopped. Oh, I'll just let them live how they want to live and I'll live how I want to live. Well, church, let me let you know something. You're going to give an answer for it. And I will too. Are we not supposed to be lights? 
Are we not supposed to be a city set on a hill? Are we not supposed to be salt in the world? No, yeah. I'm just going to let them live how they want to live. Well, hope you have a good answer. Preacher, I hope you have a good answer too. We don't hear preaching about that anymore. Well, then that makes us wrong. Because it's still in there. The way we live our lives are, is important. The way we live through our death is important. The way we live in our marriage is important. The way we worship our God is important. Those things have been regulated by God so that the one that he would call holy would remain holy in his sight. And that, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, are the only group of people that God will extend his grace toward and say, enter into heaven, those who are holy. As a matter of fact, if you take a good strong look at Matthew chapter 25, a lot of times we look at it and we say, well, that's the judgment scene. You know, there, there's a separation of sheep and goats. You look at those questions. He's asking questions to the church. He's separating sheep and goats in the church. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I've been associated with the church and the true church of the Bible, luckily, for 44 years. Many of those I would just be quiet and watch. Here's what I've learned. Not everybody. Not everybody that sits in these pews are Christians. Not everybody who gathers with us are living holy lives. And I sometimes stop and think and wonder, why not? Because, out of all of the facts of the case, here is the best fact of the case. While all of us may not be living lives that are holy, that are reflective of Christ, while we might not be doing it now, we can. We have all the opportunity in this world while we are still alive to follow after what God's plan says. We have all opportunity in this world while we're alive to put ourselves in the position of standing before God, H-O-L-Y. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the book of Leviticus and the principle of Leviticus in 25 minutes. It's about standing before God holy. Preacher, I'm not obligated to live underneath the Old Testament anymore. Don't you know Jesus died? I do know that. Friend, don't you know he died to leave us holy before God? 
Don't you know he expects us to live a life the same way he did? Seeing men and women compassionately, following after the commands of God, and pushing further the borders of the kingdom of God every single day? How are you going to do that without standing before God holy? You can't. You can't do that without standing before God holy. You can't stand before God holy drenched in sin. It is by necessity that you be washed by the blood of the Lamb in order to stand before God justified and holy. It is by necessity that you hear what God has to say, Romans 10, 17. It is by necessity then that you make some sort of move. You're going to have to either choose to do what he says or walk away from it. It's called faith. It's called belief. Hebrews 11 and verse number 6 You're going to have to, by necessity, change the way you think about what sin is. Repentance is that name. It's Hebrew or or Luke 11, Luke 13, 3 and 5. You're going to, by necessity, uh, make the confession that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life to the Father. No man cometh unto the Father but by him, John 14 and verse 6. It is by necessity then that you would submit yourselves to have uh, to submit yourself to having your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, being dipped, plunged, submerged in water, being raised to walk in a newness of life, Romans six one through four, and it is by necessity that you then take on the role of servant to the master. Holy before a holy God. If you haven't done those things, it's high time to get started right now while we stand and sing.